0: Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us today at The Bible Never Said That. My name is Shara Donahue, and together we venture through problematic sayings we hear in culture and the church. Today we are into our second episode of the Half Truth series. These are sayings that get a little right, or that we can find the principles in the Bible, but still often have errors in how they are applied. Our half-truth for today, the devil made me do it. This is one of the oldest excuses in the book. And when I say book, I mean the good book. Only to be surpassed in age by blaming God or the woman. Let's look at Genesis three eleven through 13 Adam and Eve just realized they were... Naked, because they listened to the serpent who tempted them to eat the forbidden fruit. And God approaches Adam and asks, Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, blaming God. She, now he's blaming the woman, gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate There is Eve, without defense, with an excuse for the ages. The devil made me do it. Now, God punishes the serpent, the woman, the man, and humanity begins life in a fallen and broken world. Here's the thing. It is extremely dangerous for a Christian to ignore the reality of spiritual warfare. But we also can't wholly shift the responsibility of our sins onto the devil. We will be the ones responsible. Romans 14.12 teaches that we will give an account for ourselves. So we need to be aware of the war for souls that rages around us and know how to fight the temptations we encounter. Paul tells us to get and be ready in Ephesians 6.10-17. through 17. As Paul concludes his teaching about the identity God gives us as his children and how we live out of that identity with a teaching on this spiritual reality, he instructs us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers the by God to fight the things we know are there, but cannot see in the gospels. We see Jesus defeat demons many times. For example, in Mark five, there is a man with an impure spirit that cuts himself and was strong enough to break the chains. People put on him and guess what? It was demons that made him do that. People who are not filled with the spirit of God can be possessed by evil Let's look at what happens in Mark 5, verses 6 through 15. When he, the man with the impure spirit, saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now this freaked people out which is understandable. This should be alarming. This was a real person living in a graveyard who was legitimately possessed. But notice the complete authority Jesus has here and how the demons were afraid of and defeated by our Lord. Or how about Judas? Luke 22, 3-6 through says, Then Satan entered Judas, Called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. And there are other places in the New Testament, and it is not just grown men. Mary Magdalene had seven evil spirits. Luke eight two. In Mark one, twenty one through twenty eight, Jesus was approached in the synagogue, in a house of worship by a man with an impure spirit. And then in Mark nine, fourteen through twenty nine, Jesus heals a boy possessed by an impure spirit. Satan and the demons following him are willing to go for anything. Whether the issue is demonic influence or outright possession, scripture is clear that the enemy is relentlessly at work. These are cases that show why the devil made me do it gets filed under a half-truth. Because clearly there are instances in the Bible where evil did make someone do something. But if you are not possessed by evil, you can't use this as an excuse. It cannot be allowed for the believer because the devil can surely tempt, lie, and try to persuade us to do things that are sometimes unspeakable, but we belong to God, so there are limits to what he can do. The enemy and his minions bait us with different temptations and just wait to see where we might bite. For some, he tempts them to distort the gift of sexuality, others may be charmed by power, Some are allured by temporary relief from pain that soon creates an addict. For many, it is a slow descent into darkness, as sin mounts upon sin until we are destroyed. Just as God has plans for our lives and good works prepared, the devil has plans of destruction and has laid traps for us. The disciple Peter places us all on guard. In 1 Peter 5, 8-9, he says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Stand firm. Resist. Remember that our God is bigger, better, and forever victorious over the evil one. This doesn't mean the devil won't try to drag us down and bury us in the shame and devastation of our sin, but we can resist. We resist the lies. We resist the traps. We resist until the day all is made new when there is no more sin and we are with the Lord in all his magnificent glory. Brent Curtis says Satan's desire was and still is to possess everything that belongs to God including the worship of all those whom God loves. So while we stay alert and on guard, we do not turn our gaze to Satan. That is exactly what he wants. He wants our attention and to preoccupy our thoughts. He wants us to cower in fear before him, but instead we live for the glory of God and keep our eyes on Jesus. We place our worship Rightly, we move forward under the protection of our Heavenly Father, who has given authority to His Son, whose Spirit lives in us. One of the most powerful ways we resist the devil is by confessing sin. And after we confess it, we drag it into the light and kill it. You've seen how sin steals from your life. Maybe you've had others call you on it. You may have half heartedly tried to leave it behind and keep finding it lurking at every doorway. We have to ask ourselves what is my favorite sin? What is the sin that I've become so comfortable with? I let it live in me. Not that you love it. You may even despise it. But somehow, you have yet to shake it. We sometimes settle for calling these things vices, weaknesses, or flaws. But Christ has far more in mind for us than captivity. He desires freedom for his people and life for the spiritually dead. So, here are a couple next steps you could take to move toward God's plans and away from evils. We already talked about the first step to escape the tangle of sin. We always look first to the only one who has defeated sin and death out of his deep love for us, Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, Romans 5, eight says, but God demonstrates his own love for us. in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sin continuously pulls down all of humanity with its corrosive ways, but those who have stain wiped from their hearts have the power to say no. Jesus clothes us in his righteousness and our filthy rags are no more. Then we begin seeking to walk in victory. I set on the one who is eternally victorious. We need the gospel in our everyday life. You hear the gospel in each podcast. I do Because as much as we needed it the first day God rescued us, too often Christians are tempted to accept the grace Jesus offers for salvation, but then try to conquer sin out of their own strength instead of what is offered by the Spirit. Paul takes the reader aside in Galatians 3, 2-3 and says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Paul's tone here always makes me chuckle, but also feel convicted. It is like he's saying, really guys, come on. Of course you cannot do this on your own. So as we get sent out of our life, we also need to be ready to pay the cost of saying no to sins that have long had a hold on us. Now, I know I used this scripture before, but it applies here. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There is always a way out. It is a promise from our faithful God, though we don't always like the option he presents. The way out can simply be saying no. However, sometimes the way out is costly. It may cost us someone's approval. It may cost us money, or it could cost us even more, but it is a choice towards true life instead of death. And we should always choose life. Even when the way out is hard, Jesus makes this worth it. We also need to recognize the lies we've been sold and replace them with truth. Take those thoughts captive. Straight from 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The principle for this step is simple. Identify the lie and make it obedient. (laughs) The greatest difficulty in identifying the lies is removing the veneer of truth they sometimes carry. We often let deception worm its way into the foundation of our lives through half-truths. So we must compare what we have believed with the knowledge of God and ask ourselves, am I operating from his truth? If you have trouble with this, counselors, mentors, and close friends could probably help you with the process. We also learn truth, most importantly, by meditating on God's word. Time and time again, the Bible instructs people to meditate on the word of God. And if we look again at the armor of God, we will see that almost every piece is defensive in nature, except for the sword, the one offensive weapon, which is the word of God. Too often we let our thoughts dwell on the problems that plague us instead of the promises that God gave us to guard us and slice through those lies. When we are thinking about the great freedom, love, and hope our Lord offers, we are less likely to settle for the temporary, momentary pleasures that tempt us to turn from truth. The preoccupation and focus on sin alone only makes us feel the desire for it more. So guard your thoughts. And when you find yourself focused on what takes you captive, turn your thoughts instead to what will set you free. Then repent. Repentance is not momentary guilt, is not just declaring my bad, I'm feeling sorry, but it is hating your sin, not only because it hurts you and other people, but because it is a cosmic offense against God. Repentance is a deep sorrow that causes one to turn their back and run from the sin that has tried to devour them. It recognizes the depth of transgression and becomes resolute from now on. No more. Now, that thought comes from what I call my repentance song. And my repentance song, it doesn't come from the old hymns or the latest Pop Christian artist, but from the movie, <laughs> the greatest showman. Look, now you know I have songs for my moods, I've developed my own personal soundtrack. Essence of a thing. But if I'm singing from now on, it is because I need God to strengthen my spirit to turn from whatever sin has lured me into its clutches. So I want you to hear these first two verses. To spare reading you the whole song, and no worries, I won't be singing it. You don't want that. I saw the sun begin to dim, and felt that winter wind blow cold. A man learns who is there for him, when the glitter fades and the walls won't hold. Cause from then, rubble, what remains, can only be what's true. If all was lost, there's more I gained, cause it led me back to you. Our sin may look shiny, but it will not hold. It will turn our lives to rubble. But if we lose what sin has offered us, we gain so much more if it leads us back to Jesus. So we repent. And finally, of course, we pray. We pray from the very depths of us. Prayer is sole preparation for the daily battles we face. Jesus himself went off to pray to prepare for what awaited him and he advised his disciples to do the same. In Luke twenty-two forty, 40, he said, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. The battle against sin will be fought by the body, mind, and in the spiritual unseen places as well. Prayer dives into areas we cannot perceive. It slices through the unseen and places us on the offensive against the plans and ploys of evil so we will resist the devil and stand firm in righteousness and as always we will be prayerful people Father God we need you to fight for us to send your angels to guard us to remind us that we are yours and no one or no thing can strip us from your hand Help us to hold tight to your truth and fight against our favorite sins so we can live in the freedom your son died to give us. Keep us from evil. Let us not fall into temptation and help us to live boldly in this world at war as we wait with the hope of heaven alive in our spirit. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. What a joy it is to know we serve a mighty and powerful God who rules over all. And I thank you for listening today so that we could be reminded of this. The resources, books, and articles referred to can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. And until next time. May you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free.